And we're back here for the second installment of the Jayhawker podcast. I am Greg Gurley. We are joined by Kansas legend, all-time winningest Jayhawk, Mitch Lightfoot, and another Kansas legend, as he will be on the show every week, obviously, Wayne Simeon, Jersey retired. We all know about Wayne. This is the Jayhawker podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. We're going to dive right in with our guest, the all-time winningest Jayhawk, which we got to put a little asterisk. asterisk by it because as you know with sarcasm you played 12 15 years but <laughs> in reality it was 6 to play 5 mm-hmm. uh, and you are the all-time winningest we can't we can't take that away from you but welcome back to Allen Fieldhouse tell us a little bit about since the national championship what you've been doing capitalizing on national championship just kind of basking in all the glory, professional career, and why you're back now. What's going on, everybody? Um, glad to be back. It's been a, it's been a crazy last few months. Super excited to to come back and, and see a few games, and then celebrate the 125th uh, anniversary of Kansas basketball. That was really cool. But since the uh, national championship, uh, we did barnstorming, did a bunch of different stuff, got to interact with a ton of the fans. Uh, it was really cool to ex- experience uh, that enthusiasm with not only my teammates, but but the people that, that care about Kansas basketball so much. Um, uh, got to go play professionally. I went to a team called the Kirsham Knights in Germany, played there, was there for three months, uh, ended up hurting my shoulder, uh, had to come back into town for surgery. So I'll be back here for, for rehab and uh, looking forward to, to getting healthy and uh, following along with the rest of the season. We'll get into K-State here a little bit later, a couple nights ago with the loss in Manhattan, but – Wayne, you were so heavily involved, like us all, in the 125th anniversary of Kansas basketball. How great was it to see your teammates, my teammates, Kansas players in general, have Mitch back? Talk about last weekend a a little bit. Yeah, last week was so, so special. You know, that's something that we do about every five years uh, is to have our union uh, celebrating and commemorating the legacy of Kansas basketball. But uh, I think – the most recent one was particularly special because we had so much to rally around. Uh, obviously, coming off the national championship, which so many guys, it doesn't matter what area you played in, take so much pride and enthusiasm from what this generation of Jayhawks can accomplish. Uh, and then also um, taking time to celebrate being crowned uh, the all-time winningest program in Division One basketball, which is incredible for you, Mitch, because you've got two all-time stats. Crazy. Uh, all-time uh, wins leader here at KU, and then all-time uh, winningest program uh, in Division One basketball. So there was so much to be able to, to uh, rally around and to celebrate. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Greg and I, you and I talked about it, how important and special it could be to get all four living head coaches back it was a heavy lift. It was yeah. accomplished, and it was uh, it was as good as we could have hoped it. I mean, was. to put it in perspective, it, it's hard because we've had eight coaches ever in 125 years, and four are still with us. And like Wayne said, we had to do a lot of heavy lifting and get over some obstacles to get them all four here. Ted Owens, 93 years old. Larry Brown is, is, is lives in Charlotte. It just wasn't easy, but it all came together. Wayne deserves a ton of credit for, for getting everything together. And as a guy who just graduated, you, at, at times when you're playing, you don't really – appreciate the past as much until you're, you've graduated and it's only been six months so 
did you get that feel? Like, is it starting to sink in how special it was? I know Bill always jokes, you cut Mitch open and, and he'll bleed blue, and that's, that's true. I believe it's a little birdie, a little Jayhawk. A little birdie. <laughs> a little birdie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, but you, you probably appreciate it more than others, but, but with all four of those guys up on the stage, Bill, Brian Haney did an amazing job of him seeing it, but Bill kind of takes over and gives his speech and, and talks about how no one's bigger than the program, not Roy Williams, not Ted Owens, not Larry Brown, not himself, because – we're all placeholders, and we owe it all to the people that came before us. Do you – does that – as you absorbed that yet, do you understand that more now since eight I months ago? I think as I, uh, as I grew throughout my career, that, that started to become more and more uh, instilled in me, uh, just being around coach and, and him, him talking about that. And like he says, you'll never be the best player. Wilt played here. You'll never be the best coach because Fog Allen coached here. Uh, interesting part of this. Bill, I think, is 19 wins away from passing. Does he change the day once he passes? But knowing Bill the way we nah, all know yeah, him, I don't think he, will. he deflects, nah. and he'll, he'll have his excuses that, hey, they didn't play that many games, and obviously Bill's going to pass him uh, it's about 15 years earlier than than what Fogg did, but uh, it's because of the amount of games they played and all that. But it is it is going to be a monumental deal, and, and again, he'll deflect because that's the way he is, but – I like that you said that. Wilt played here, Fog coached here, and, and and that's true. But man, has he been good for us? And and, and uh, again, the way he controls a room, like he did on Saturday night, where he said all the right things about each one of the coaches and former players, and everyone just is like. I think it was so special how he he also talked about like it'll never be about like oh I I played for Coach Williams so I'm not as big right. a part of the family as I am now or I played for Coach Owens so I'm not as big a part of the family as I am now or or Coach Brown, that's not the case like right. everyone here is inter, inter, intertwined is a part of the family and everybody that played for Coach Owens is the same amount of the family as somebody right. that played for Coach Self and and we all have that respect for each other. How about Wayne? He played for Roy and Bill two years with each and. Uh, and, and I don't think anyone will argue this. They're very different coaching styles. Uh, I'm around Bill a lot. Never played for him, but I was obviously played for Roy. Uh, uh, totally different, but both highly successful. Yeah, both here and uh, and in other locations. But uh, it's great just to show there's more than one way to do it. And uh, I'm sure that you know the guy who is eventually going to have to replace Coach Self. No one likes to talk about that, but it'll eventually happen. Uh, may have a different way of doing things. And man, I can remember. Uh, even the scrutiny, you know, when Coach Self first got here in terms of the style of play. And, you know, we were coming off, uh, you know, a Roy Williams-style type of basketball where you're scoring 96 points a game. And, you know, Coach Self coming in with the high-low offense and more of a defensive disposition. And some people were kind of groveling about that. And then, lo and behold, um, we start peeling off conference championships, Final Fours, and, and two national championships later. And uh, it's all good. Can you retell the story that Bill told Saturday about your first meeting with Bill in the locker room and what he was preaching to the team and then what one of your best friends and teammates Yeah, my roommate said, at the time. <laughs> and how, I don't know if it was awkward or what, but it took some, some balls for Keith to say that because he had just met Bill Self, tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a difficult transition, obviously, because we had had so much success. I mean, we were coming off back-to-back -back conference championships, back-to-back uh, -back Final Fours. So we just lost in the championship game, and we're, we're turning so much. Uh, and then also, mind you, that we had just beat Illinois 
nice. you know, the year before uh, in the, the, the tournament. Coach Self had never gone to a Final Four up until that point, and we had two tallied, you know, on our resumes. And so uh, you add the emotion of, you know, seeing Coach Williams uh, take off, and then you add uh, the additional emotion of having a brand-new guy come in who never recruited you, who you're basically forced to be and played for, who you just beat. Uh, a few years earlier, and so it was kind of a, a powder keg, and and um, you know, coach was obviously trying to communicate and articulate his style of play and his philosophy, which sounded all good uh, until Keith was like, uh, "Yeah, but we just we we just whooped you guys, so you know, how about you try to do things our way?" Which, in uh, in in all honesty, buy-in is probably one of the most important ingredients when it comes to any type of change of transition, let alone in, in, in uh, coaching transition. And so I would say lack of buy-in, and, and I, would, I could be numbered in that. I might not have been verbalizing it like Keith, but I had that same sentiment, you know, in my mind and heart, uh, actually kept two very talented teams, you know, my junior and senior years. You know, I think we underachieved. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with, uh, you know, not having the buy-in that was necessary. And then, conversely, you fast-forward that until 2022, the team last year. That's one of the things that I think was one of their most, you know, significant attributes is being fully bought in to Coach Self and his way of doing things. Uh, it allowed you to, to bounce back from, you know, being embarrassed by Kentucky. It allowed, you know, allowed us to, to bounce back from a 15-point deficit at halftime. That type of buy-in is really crucial, and Coach has that now. And as we all know, Bill, personally, Keith challenging him probably – with a lot of coaches wouldn't have gone over very well. With Bill, he's kind of like, all right, that's fair. You know, we'll see how it goes. He, it wasn't it like some coaches would be like, hey, get your ass yeah. out on the court. And that's hey, right. hey, it only ushered us into the hardest boot camp of all time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I wasn't there for that. Which is our conditioning. That. You know, our preseason conditioning. I, th I think Coach actually remembered that during preseason conditioning that year because uh, he, he laid it on us pretty thick. But all of you guys that kind of questioned Bill Self at that time, how quickly – did you buy in? I mean, the boot camp was probably hard, but when did you really realize, and when did you realize that, hey, I, I, got, I got a coach, I got the guy. I, he, knows, he knows what he's doing, and I'm going to run through a wall for him. For me, I mean, I, I knew that before I got here. So yeah. that's, that's, that's my reason for coming here, just to, to play for coach and, and seeing his success. I mean, it kind of speaks for itself. I mean, when I was getting recruited, he had already run off, I think, 12 Big 12 championships in a row yeah. and a national championship. So I was pretty, I was pretty bought into to the way he wanted to do it. Do you ever have any moments in your first three or four months you're like, was this the right decision? Um, not really. I mean, I, I, I went you, through you, you growing had patience. Pains. You understood. Yeah. Like, I, I think one of the biggest things right now that players don't have is patience. Like, if all of a sudden they just don't play much, mm -hmm. we're going through that right now with some of our guys. There's some guys that – Thought they were going to play more than they have, and and that's it's got to be difficult. Yeah, I mean, speaking on that, like, I kind of saw I, I had the gift of like a little bit of patience and can see down the line a little bit. Like, yeah. hey, it might not happen right now, but a little sacrifice right now is going to pay off a lot here in the coming years. And and I think that that was the case. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Basketball is a crazy game, and there, there's going to be opportunity. And coach self. He's always been a guy that if you are playing, you're if you are playing better basketball than someone, he'll never hold a yeah. oh you do this, you're you're this, you're that. No, no, no. He's gonna play who's giving him the best chance to win. And if you're doing that, he's gonna play you. I think you and I are pretty similar, and like we understood who we, you know, who we are. We're, 
Not, Very confident, yeah. Yeah, we're confident in our abilities, but mm-hmm. Wayne doesn't have that same belief. He's a McDonald's <laughs> All American. He goes, I better start first day or this is crap. But you and I, kind of same page. Now, yeah. also a reason you and I aren't in the Raptors, and that dude is. Yeah, I mean, he's a great basketball player right there. I mean, you got no, you got no response. No, I mean, I mean, just, you know, to that, it takes all of it, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that I appreciate about the 125 panel is, um, you know, Coach, uh, Coach Owens had Darnell Valentine up there who, you know, was a first-team All-American South Side guy in the Raptors. Coach Self had Ben McLemore, you know, number seven pick in the draft. Could have been number one, number two pick in the draft. Right. Uh, elite, elite player. Coach Williams had Nick Bradford right. up there uh, with Nick Collison in the crowd at the same time who is, you know, 15-year NBA vet, Hall of Famer here as well. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. Because there are so many guys like a Nick Bradford, like a Mitch Life, glue guys that have contributed to this place just as much as the big names, you know, that that people know every day uh, as Jayhawk fans. And so, um, you know, I think I think that goes to Coach Self's point. There's no one player or coach that's bigger than Kansas basketball because those contributions from guys like that, from managers, from strength staff, from athletic trainers, all goes into making this place what it's become. And how often does a team full of McDonald's All-Americans win the national title? That's why Coach Calipari is on the hot seat right now. It, it just it, – it, you got to have the Mitch Lightfoots. You got to have – and what Bill does an amazing job and Roy does as well, everybody, the really, really good ones, is they convince everybody that the pie is big enough for everyone to have a slice. Sacrifice some things you did in Arizona. You were the guy. And you weren't the guy here, but you figured out your role. And that's hard for people because in, in today's college basketball and really high school basketball, you got guys that play at four different high schools because mm-hmm. they're not, they don't like the coach or the, you know, whatever, whatever. So it, it's different. And, and Bill is an amazing manager of egos and personalities that he convinces you that, hey, if you sacrifice this, we're going to do some great things. And he uses the statement a lot. We got to get old and stay old. And you don't win a national championship last year without two things. Getting your butts whipped against USC. That had to hurt. Yeah. Had to hurt. 100%. Lost by 30 plus. And Bill goes in the press conference and what does he say? We need to get bigger, faster, stronger, different guys, more guys, whatever. We got to basically reboot. And who do you win a national championship with? Same guys plus Remy. Same guys plus Remy. And so, how much did that stick in your crawl a little bit? Hearing those statements, what did you do to improve? What did Oach do? What did CB do? What did Jay Will do? And, and then you add, and really the only one you added, and this is no offense to Jay Cole or Joe Yesifu because they were new, but really seven guys played in the national championship game, right? Mm-hmm. And you were one of them. What, did, what was the locker room like after the USC game? I would say after the USC game, that was a tough locker room. I mean, for me – being, being around, like, Marcus Garrett knew that was going to be his last game, and that, and that really sucked for the guys around him because we love Marcus to see that and to right. see that that was the way that, that uh, he lost in his last game. That sucks. And I think all of us understood that it means so much to, to him and it means so much to us that we, we owe it to everybody around us, everybody that came before, before us to, to kind of take a run at it again. Yep. Um, like you said, what did we do uh, after the season? I think all of us really really locked in on a on – a, our own, our own craft. Like we, we got in the weight room. We got in, in the gym. I think the guy that I can really like speak on because I'm around a lot was Ochahik. He was yeah. 
I would come to practice and he'd be in, he'd be in a full sweat already already done with a workout when I got to the locker room. Like it, it was crazy to see the amount of effort and the amount of hard work that he put into it. And I'm glad you brought Ochai up because we talked about this. Wayne and I talked about this a lot last year after the national title. Most guys that get NBA feedback that's negative pisses them off. And maybe or they ignore it and they just say, you know what? RC Buford or pick a basketball mind that gives them the advice and says they don't know what to talk about, I'm gonna go anyway. Ochai took it, absorbed it, got better, and turned himself into the 14th pick in the draft. That doesn't happen very often because egos come to play. And Ochai comes back, leads his team to a national championship. It's a it's the one of the best stories ever. And will it be a model for others? I don't know, but it, it kind of is with Jay Will right now. I think I think people can learn from it. I mean, if you look at Oach and Jay Will, those are guys that are doing four years of college and they're they're learning from from a great basketball mind in Coach Self. They're learning from being around other great basketball basketball minds like like your, yourselves and and learning how to and learning how to are get you better. Like him or me? I mean both of y'all. You're just oh. <laughs> Exquisite basketball mind over right, there. Right, just just basketball mind. Uh, but uh, like I was saying about like Oach and Jay Wills, like those guys, they put in the they put in the, the work. They weren't when they showed up here, they weren't gonna be the one and done guys. Like they 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 had the ability to to get better and now you look at Jay Will, he has thirty eight points last night. Yeah. O- Ochai has scored seventeen two nights ago for the for the Jazz. Like those those are guys that are gonna make livings playing basketball. Before we let you go, we talked a lot about the 125th year anniversary, but let's talk about the game before the 125th year anniversary because you were a part. Were you here in? You were here in 18, right? Yeah. When yeah. we lost on the 120 year anniversary, and you remember Bill's speech at the dinner that night was it was kind of like, oh, you guys built this 500 former and these jazz. guys disgraced it. <laughs> these guys disgraced it, and they're an embarrassment. Yeah. And, he, and he, there was, I don't know, however many tables, and there were two tables of you guys, and he talked to everybody for about two minutes, and then for about 30 minutes. Breathing fire on Just guys. spitting yeah, yeah. fire at you guys. And everyone, I think you know, a lot of our wives were there and other people, and they're just like, oh, my God. And he wasn't cussing or doing anything like that. He was speaking facts. He was speaking facts. And you guys would go on to win, uh, go to the Final Four. But as we talk about the game against Iowa State, how – as a player just recently done, how does Bill do it? Constantly winning one-possession games, which, granted, earlier this week, we lost a one-possession game in Manhattan. Sucks. Odds are against you. You're not going to win 100 out of 100. But how do you, what's your opinion on how Bill does it? I think it's just a testimony to how he, how he coaches his players and how he, how, what he expects from us. Um, I think you look back at boot camp and you look back at the, the – uh, hard things we have to go through to, to get to where we are today. Those those moments prepare us for for one possession games, and I think it's I think it's important how uh, how mentally tough our guys are, and they have the ability to to persevere when hey we we're up one we got to get a stop, and and they go out there and they have the ability to do so. Um, I think Coach Self does a great job of of the X's and O's as well. If you give us a, a timeout with the ball uh, down late or up. Up late or down late, you're gonna you're gonna have a good look, and I think I think uh, all the guys on the team fully trust him, and that trust is important. And Wayne, speaking of that, I was obviously there earlier this week in Manhattan at the game. You're watching the game. You know ball better than anybody. Talk about 
the last possession of regulation, the last possession of overtime. It was so uncharacteristic of a Kansas team as we're talking about how many one-possession games we win. Didn't work out that way against Kansas State. And more than that, we didn't get a shot off on either one, which is very rare. And I think a lot of us, it was a head-scratcher for the announcers, for the, I would assume, everybody in Bramlage, but – your thoughts on what transpired late in that game on Tuesday? Yeah, and, you know, before I get to that, I'll just echo with uh, with what Mitch has said. I mean, there's so much confidence that you have in Coach, um, you know, through the preparation uh, that he has, through his track record of being able to, uh, to win those type of games. You know, I'm thinking back even uh, a few weeks ago, we were down 10, five minutes left against OU here, and my heart rate wasn't even going up. Uh, just because, you know, I figured it was only a matter of time before coach would push the right button and get the guys going yeah. there. Uh, we saw that against Iowa State late. Uh, you know, I think that the building obviously helped, you know, having former players and coaches watching uh, obviously helped because there is a pressure, pressure, you know, when you have those guys looking, when you've got Larry Brown and Roy Williams looking into the huddle, you've got, you know. <laughs> and Bill talked about that <laughs> at the event, uh, not to interrupt, but uh, – He's at timeouts, and he goes, there's no pressure last night. I'm, I'm looking past my guys, and I see Roy Williams, Larry Brown, and Ted Owens yeah. in his uh, – And they probably don't have any thoughts or opinions. They're no, no. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure Larry was just like, just do what you think's best. Yeah. Yeah. Do whatever you want to do. I will say what was different about the K-State game, though, is very rarely do we find ourselves in a game point situation down three starters. Yeah. Uh, with guys that are in the game who haven't been in there at game point. Uh, and, you know – Bobby, Zach, Joe, growing into their role, Zuby for that matter. Uh, but it's different when you're on the road, game point, and that ball is in your hands. And um, I think the, the, the frustrating part is that we lost. But you just mentioned Zuby, Joe, Bobby. They're getting valuable time. Didn't work out in our favor, but those are teaching moments. 100%. And, you and, grow and, from those. And they're going to watch film on that, and they're going to learn from it. Sucks that we lost, but – Hey, welcome to the rest of college basketball. Teams lose. We're so spoiled, and we take games like that for granted because we're all just like, can't believe we lost. Like, we're just shocked. But that's Kansas math. Kind of what you said, like, I wanted to echo that, is that, that game, and even if we lost, it's going to impact Bobby, Zuby, Joe, Zach. It's going to help them get better because you learn more in a loss, I feel like, than you right. do in a win. Like, if you squeak that game out and you win by one, then – all is well, I mean, you kind of go on to the next. But now you're going to think back to that game and what can you do better and what things can we fix, and that's going to help us down the line. Yeah, and we talk about this all the time is, you know, Bill's record with back-to-back -back losses is amazing. I don't have it in front of me, but he rarely loses consecutive games. He's got the famous he, saying, don't let one turn into two. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And, and as you watch social media and all of our fans are saying, oh, that was a good <laughs> loss, or whenever I hear a good loss, fine, that's, that's great. But a good loss is only proven to be a good loss if you win the next one, if you take what you learn from the, the loss and get better. Now, it's going to be a little different because we're at home. TCU is really, really good. Good team. They just whooped the team that beat us on Tuesday mm -hmm. last week. So uh, there's no easy games in this league. I mean, th th there's going to be a bottom. I don't know who it is yet. It's looking like West Virginia. But other than that, tell it's, hard. Me, it's hard. We're having – We've had three home games. They've all been four-point wins or less, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you look around the league, and it's just so so stacked top to bottom. I mean, you get you get any of the teams in our league and put them in a different league, and they're finishing top three. Like, it, it's it's pretty impressive. Um, I think that's just a testament to, to how competitive uh, all the guys are in our league and all the coaches are in our league. And 
And it's even more a testament to how impressive Kansas is and how impressive the guys on this year's team are. Before we let you go, tell us what's next for you. Obviously, you're rehabbing for the next three or four months, but you're going to be around a lot more. You're going to move to Lawrence, just be around, right? Hopefully, that's the goal. I mean, if uh, if I can get get a, a spot helping out with the, with the guys, I'll try and do whatever I can to, to help this place. And uh, it, I know you guys are probably a little sick of me after six years, but uh, <laughs> who knows, seven may be coming. But uh, it, it's just been special to be around be around the, the program. You're, that's big news. Coming up in 23. Yep, getting married. Uh, we I got engaged in September, and we're planning for August, and it's gonna it's gonna be a blast. Uh, I'm I'm super pumped. I, I know you guys are gonna be there, and that means yep. a lot to me. Yep, uh, August 19th. August 19th. That's uh, my birthday, actually. Yeah, I know. We're gonna so celebrate we're you gonna that day. Some, I don't want to I don't want to take away from your. We'll bring a birthday day, cake for you. Okay, good, 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 Perfect. good. And are we talk uh, bachelor party ideas? You yeah. Talk to Wayne and I. Yeah, I mean, I think I, you guys you guys have to be there. I mean, it wouldn't be the same without you guys. Okay. I mean, I, I think I like the Wayne's bachelor party ideas better than uh, yours, so they're probably a little bit safer for Have me. I given you any ideas yet? You're already trying to take it over, man. You haven't invited, <laughs> you, you invited yourself Shock, there anyway. Shocking so. that I try to take something over. Yes, well, one of the all-time great Jayhawks, the winningest Jayhawk in the history of the all-time winningest program, sort of. Kind of. Fair to say it that way. Yeah, asterisk five years. Asterisk, because it's I believe it's Kirk Heinrich, right? Or, Terrell Reed. Terrell Reed. Terrell Reed. Oh, my bad. My bad. Well, I got no asterisk by it because you chose to stay here. You know, you chose, to, you chose to my be guy. Here, right? You could have gone somewhere else and finished up in the transfer portal world. You chose to, to stay Jayhawk. Remember? Hey, no place like Kansas, baby. Jayhawk. Kiss ass. Total kiss ass. Hey, you're listening to the Jayhawker podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. I had this patient. His cancer treatment had him in the hospital for a while. One day, he was telling me about his grandson and how a big night was coming up for him. So we arranged to make it a big night for my patient too. I sometimes wonder if I'm doing all I can. Then I help make a moment like this possible, and I know I am. Lipsy dribbling right side, looking for Grill from Mays, Kansas. Throws it up from 40 feet. It misses. KU's got to win. The Kansas kid couldn't get it done. Ball game over. You can rock. Chalk it up. The Jayhawks win. That was the game-winning call brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Brian Haney, Greg Gurley with the call. Game point. Had a timeout. Bill Self comes right out. What option in one through five do you think KJ was to make that play? Probably number five. Yeah. But the thing that I really like about that play is that KJ Adams caught the ball in a spot on the court where he is consistently making plays. Uh, one of the things we've seen, we see, we see regularly the pick and roll in the slot, which is kind of midcourt. KJ short rolling right about to the elbow, and then he's very well versed in being able – to know what to do there. He's become a pretty good passer out of that, playing two-on-one, usually finding Grady Dick or someone like that in the corner. Or he can make a hard dribble drive, and he's really, really hard to stop because of how athletic and how physical he is. And we saw he finished the game winner there. And he's not – to say that he's not gifted offensively is probably not the right statement. But what I mean by that, you're not going to post him up and he's going to make a Hakeem Olajuwon move, baby hook. He's so much more dangerous, like you said, on that short roll, little pocket pass at the free throw line. 
and using his body and athleticism to get to the rim. That's all he did on Saturday. He went right at Jones, actually got fouled, and played through the contact because he's a superior athlete and really, really strong and made a game winner because of just being instinctive. Yeah, now he's even becoming more and more of a threat because with his ability to drive the basketball, now he's shown the ability to make free throws, which makes him – even more dangerous. And so I think we'll continue to see a ton of productivity uh, from him in that area and some that could likely lead to, lead to, to more wins for us. Not to bring up a negative, but against K-State, free throws were kind of his bugaboo. And I, I talk a lot about KJ's early on free throw. He was terrible. And then he was shooting over 80% over a span of about 10, 12 games. Last night fell back a little bit. But, man, was he good offensively. When we struggled offensively, KJ was 6 of 6. He kept us in the game that first half when K-State got out to that 14-point lead, and it was K.J. and Dewan little two-man game. K.J. is 6-6 six six and had four assists in that first half. Yeah, one thing that I believe is severely underrated about K.J.'s offensive ability is his ability to set screens. Yeah. Uh, we saw in the second half at K-State – Uh, that once he got into foul trouble and then eventually fouled out, our ability to get downhill and get paint touches was severely limited because uh, Zach and and Zuby aren't as proficient in being able to to set screens that come down to timing, it comes down to angle, it comes down to physicality, it comes down to smarts and being able to do that without fouling, and he's very, very well versed at that. Well, you said two things there, timing and angle, and it takes two to tango. The guard has to wait for the screen. A lot of times you see us get called for illegal screens. Sometimes it's the guard's fault because the big guy comes out, and if he starts to go, the big guy knows he's got to set a screen, and he'll kind of slide, and that's when you get called. So if the timing's there and the angle's there, you got to wait, and then you get much more space, and sometimes Dewan gets a little ahead of himself. And we saw that last uh, uh, Tuesday with timing with Zuby on that last play of regulation he kind of set the screen but slipped it it was more Zuby's fault than anyone's and then the pass got picked off where we dodged a major bullet when they didn't just get a layup at the end of the game on game point but uh, that's the week you went against Iowa State lose a tight one in the Sunflower Showdown you move on you learn from it and Saturday we've got TCU which lost a couple games but they're right there. I mean, they got pros, Mike Miles, O'Bannon, Ba, and then a big guy in the middle that I want you to comment on, Lampkin. Different style of play. He's kind of got a, I don't want to say weird body, but he's got kind of thin <laughs> legs, and he seems kind of, I don't know how he does it, but he's really, really effective. He's got great hands. Not a great athlete. He's not going to jump over you, but he, he jumps about that high at the floor, but seems like He's hard to guard. Yeah, he is. Uh, he, he's unorthodox. He's a little bit awkward. Um, you know, he's got the ability to finish over both shoulders, so he could pose a, a, a particular tough test for a guy like KJ. But on the other end, he's got to guard KJ too, right? right? And so KJ's speed and athleticism uh, could potentially offset uh, Lampkins and what he's able to do uh, on the on the offensive end as well. Yeah, and we need to bring it. Our, our fan base has been great all year, and this building gets us wins. And Saturday, coming off a loss, we need Jayhawk Nation here. Not that we're not going to sell out or whatever. We just need the energy, and our guys have to provide that energy like they did against Iowa State. That was a, such a well-played game, even though it was 62-60, to 60, which is Iowa kind of – Iowa State's good. 
I would say it's really good. And you saw Tuesday what they did to Texas, that they took care of business. You know, Tyrese Hunter comes back. And, and we know the Iowa State fans, they don't like it when you leave them. And when you come back, I'm sure Tyrese Hunter is glad to be out of Ames, uh, even though they got a loss. But uh, uh, Saturday is going to be huge. Really quick turnaround. When you're Kansas, you play a lot of big Monday games, so you obviously play on Saturday. And Saturday against TCU, we get about 24 hours to hopefully enjoy a win, and we're on a plane to Waco. Yeah, you know, the Saturday-Monday turnaround could be a little bit tough, but, but one thing that I like to share with the guys is most of them aspire to be pros this is just a reality at the next level that you're going to be playing at. Sometimes you know? it's back-to-back. Yeah, oh, you know, a lot of times it's back-to-back, or a lot of times it's four games and seven nights, and you're on flights and hotels and different things like that. And so, um, you know, it's a part of, of uh, the game of basketball, and it's going to be a greater part of hopefully the level that we know some of our guys are going to get to in terms of uh, being on NBA rosters. You know, if you talk about some other sports, you're, you, you know, we talked last week about how ingrained you are in our women's program. Talk about – their past weekend and what they have upcoming. Yeah, man, they're in a really, really tough stretch on, on, on a three-game skid. And I think even when you looked at the breakdown of their schedule early, you knew this was going to be tough. Uh, tough Baylor team here at home, on the road uh, in Austin, Texas, um, who they've been perennial powers in the, in the Big 12 as well, and then a ranked opponent in Norman uh, coming up a little bit short there. Uh, so they've got a tall, tall task, uh, you know, against uh, West Virginia uh, coming up, but at least it's here in the field house. It's against a team that they had had some success before, and hopefully they can course correct before they get ready to take on K-State in the Sunflower Showdown. School just started up on Tuesday, so obviously our football team is back starting workouts. And we got some great news, news that we expected, but Jalen Daniels has officially said he's, he will be back. Officially, officially. Officially, officially. Final, final. Jalen Daniels will be back. I mean, he just wowed everybody last year in those first five games, had his injury. Took a little bit to get back, but, man, was he good in the Liberty Bowl. Records all the way around, over 500 yards passing, and uh, provided us – as Kansas fans with some great memories. And then, you know, the loss sucks. But I, I think this offseason with so many guys coming back and then obviously Jalen Daniels is a huge piece of that. Yeah, I, I can't un, under undersell how, how big of a deal that is uh, for Kansas football, um, especially uh, with uh, the dynamic type of player that he is. You know, obviously a key anchor for the success that we had this year. And then in the world of the transfer portal where guys like that that come to – uh, a, a developing Power Five program typically get poached, you know, by other schools from other conferences with better NIL or better resources or this and that. And I think that it's a real testament to Lance Leipold in the culture that he's built here. We talked about buying a little bit earlier. A kid like Jalen Daniels does not stay at an additional year unless there's buying to the culture that's been established. You think about that, hey, yeah, Devin Neal and a guy like that, he's a Lawrence kid. He wants to be here. We got Jalen Daniels from California. Yeah. I bet every Pac-12 yeah. school back close to home in a bigger market with bigger this, bigger that was trying to lure him away from Lawrence, Kansas, and what uh, Coach Leipold has going on. And uh, it's such a, a, an exciting uh, news that, that he's going to be, be a Jayhawk for next year. Yeah, and it's no different for Bill Self, Lance Leipold, Brandon Snyder. You have to re-recruit your players that are here. It's always been the season's over. you got to go out and find new guys and gals. But now you have to re-recruit. Lance Leipold had to sell Jalen Daniels on coming back. He had to sell 
Devin Neal. Just like Bill's going to have to sell guys. And when I say sell, I mean like convince that they're going to come back. And then you got to go out once you determine that, which they could still leave later. Once they determine that, then you got to go find guys to replace the guys that actually leave. And it's it, their jobs have gotten monumentally more difficult re-recruiting their own team. Yeah, and, you know, NIL is a big part of that um, in, in, in terms of that conversation, uh, you know, being an important and, and a key ingredient. Um, and obviously the other guys that are coming back, is, it's going to be, you know, uh, a pretty big void to fill with Lonnie Phelps, you know, the most quick twitch and aggressive defensive player, yeah. um, you know, on that side of the basketball Kenny. or on that side of the football. But, um, but hopefully we can, we can fill them in with some, uh, some new guys we have coming in. How about some – Former Jayhawks making a name in the playoffs right now in the NFL. Dorrance Armstrong, Cowboys, second in sacks this year. They finally won a, a game. The Cowboys finally are moving on in the playoffs. Hakeem Adenajai with Cincinnati. They moved on. Uh, who else we got? Kyron Johnson with the Eagles, the number one seed in the East. So a lot of our guys are making a, a big impact on playoff teams, and, and uh, it's fun to follow their success. Yeah, it is, and it certainly makes it more enjoyable this time of year. Obviously, two homers like you and I are going to be yeah. locked in on, on the Chiefs. I love that the, the, the TCU game's at noon, so we can go somewhere and at 3.30 and watch the Chiefs uh, pummel the Jags. If we if we take a 27-0 lead versus the Jags, be okay we better that. win yeah. 54 to nothing. Yeah, no, but it's also great to be able to look around the league and keep an eye on, on some Jayhawks that are having some great success uh, as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, that'll do it for – this episode of the Jayhawker Podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Big game this weekend with TCU. Quick flip with Baylor on Monday. We'll be back next week to, to recap those games and then get ready for the big another big game that doesn't really – I say it doesn't matter because it's not a league game, but we go to Rupp here Battle in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Battle of the Blue Bloods, top two all-time winningest programs in the history of college basketball. Battle it out in Lexington, Kentucky. But first things first, TCU and Baylor next week. Rock Chalk, this is the Jayhawker Podcast, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System.